Photo identification, still not required to vote here in North Carolina. We'll break down the latest court ruling right now on the Politics Podcast from WUNC. Hey, I'm Jeff. Voter ID has been a divisive political issue for some time now, and the topic appears to be going nowhere soon. Voters in 35 states are required to show photo ID at the polls. However, that is not the case here in North Carolina. Interestingly, it's one of the rare occasions where we lag on a conservative front. North Carolina is the only southern state without an ID requirement, although that is not for a lack of trying. An expansive 2013 bill was struck down in a federal appellate court. We'll talk more about that in a moment. And an effort to require photo ID through the state constitution has also faltered for now. If you would, just introduce yourself, name and title. Rusty Jacobs, reporter for North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. The latest court ruling blocking a photo identification requirement came on Friday afternoon. And we'll pick things up there with Rusty, who is a former assistant district attorney. Uh, You are an attorney? So I'm going to start with this question. Why do these decisions always come on Friday afternoons? Sense for dramatic, suspense. I think judges and lawyers, I'll put the judges in this category because ultimately they're the ones who decide when the the rulings come down. I, I do think this is a complicated case, a lot of facts to sift through. So I think the judges probably wanted every last second. Uh, but releasing it late on Friday, oh, I, I, perhaps there's a little sadism involved. Repo- reporters can be a pain. These these rulings come often on Friday, and it, it, it you're not going to bury the story. You're just going to kick it over to next week. I, I do sincerely wonder sometimes about, hey, if you were to drop it on a Wednesday or a Thursday evening, if the news cycle for some of these things w- would, would be diminished. Just a thought, just a theory. Um, Three-judge panel, state superior court. This is just the latest machination of, of photo identification, voter ID required in order to vote in North Carolina. The three-judge panel ruled what? Two of the three judges, the majority on the panel, invalidated the 2018 law. And they did so for a number of reasons. They did so because they saw it as part of a long history of disenfranchising black voters, especially after a, an expansion of power in that community. And we can talk about that later. They did it because of the rushed legislative process. They felt that that was a departure from the normal pace at which bills and laws are enacted and approved by the legislature. And they did so because of what they saw was clear discriminatory intent and impact of the law. Let's stick with that thread just before I I totally dump in the trash. You said expansion of power within that community. We can talk about it later. Let's talk about it now. Absolutely. Part of the strategy for the plaintiffs, and this was the Southern Coalition for Social Justice, a voting rights advocacy group filing a lawsuit on behalf of six voters of color, each of whom testified that they would be at a disadvantage under this 2018 measure. One of the things they did, the plaintiffs in this case, was to call expert witnesses, some of them historians like James Lelutis, a professor from UNC, who put this law 
in the context of what North Carolina and other southern states have done over the years, over the decades, after expansions of power among black voters. Go back to Reconstruction, first big expansion and enfranchisement of black voters. The North Carolina legislature passes a poll tax. Go to the Voting Rights Act of 1965, and there are North Carolina legislative measures that create multi-member districts and take other steps to dilute the power of black voters, who again, under the Voting Rights Act, had seen an expansion of their weight and clout at, at the polls. Jump forward to the election of Barack Obama, the nation's first black president, where there was a huge increase in the participation of black voters. And you have measures like the first photo ID law the North Carolina legislature tried to pass. So again, it's part of this long history. And the two-judge majority on this most recent state court panel saw this latest measure, the 2018 law, as part of that notorious history. Oftentimes we'll talk about a story and we go, let's back up a little bit. Let's back up a little bit. This is a story, as you just uh, underscored, we can back up decades more specifically to photo identification, this is an eight-year saga at this point. Since part of the Voting Rights Act of uh, mid-1960s was struck down, North Carolina lawmakers have tried again and again to get photo ID implemented. So uh, a couple of quick hitters here. One, has photo identification ever been required in North Carolina to vote? For one blink of an eye, the primaries in 2016... And I'll point out that one of the plaintiffs in this most recent trial challenging the constitutionality of the 2018 measure, his story was that he went to the polls late in the day during the March primaries of 2016. That's under a previous law. And we'll talk about that law because that law loomed large in this most recent trial. But this was Paul Kearney, a black farmer in his 70s, shows up at the polls late in the day, has always voted and finds he doesn't have his photo ID. Again, this was the only time a photo ID requirement was actually in effect. And ultimately what happened was he casts a provisional ballot, but testifies that the poll worker failed to inform him that to cure that ballot, to get it actually counted, he had to go back at some point to his county board of elections, show the photo ID. He never does that, assuming presumably his vote doesn't count. He and these other plaintiffs testified that In cases like this, they would be at a disadvantage. And to go back to the history, one of the historical expert witnesses testified that because of discrimination and because of economic disparities, black voters will naturally be at a disadvantage when trying to obtain or possess the requisite photo ID under any of these laws. But that 2013 law ultimately was invalidated by the federal court, and everybody knows this quote, for targeting black voters with quote-unquote almost surgical precision. And the two-judge majority in this most recent case saw the same pattern here. So the 2013 law, which was not just photo identification, and that actually came out of the law in part, but a a, a law that proposed reducing early voting and eliminating same-day registration, a a really multifaceted omnibus election bill. That goes all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. It is struck down. Fast forward a couple of years, and North Carolina lawmakers decide that they're going to put the question before the voters to say, should photo identification be required at the polls here in our state for federal and state and local elections? The voters say yes. 
Since then, since 2018, the law, the implementing language to uh, codify that constitutional amendment to the North Carolina state constitution has now been blocked by a federal judge last December, judge, I believe it's Loretta Biggs, and now two out of three state judges. So I'm not trying to be cheeky with this question, but there have been numerous times that lawmakers have now been been stifled or blocked from enacting this. Is there any reason to think that they are going to give up on the effort to implement photo ID? No. And, and I'll give you a couple of reasons. First of all, this was a three-judge panel, and there was a very assertive dissent from Nathaniel Poovey. Now, he's the dissenting judge in this most recent case, and it's, it's important to note, I think, certainly the legislative defendants, the Republican lawmakers behind this most recently invalidated measure would point out the political makeup of the judge panel, of this court panel. The two judges who elected to strike down this law ran as Democrats, Vince Rozier and Mike Ofalu. Nathaniel Poovey, the lone dissenting judge, ran as a Republican. Now, I watched most of this trial, and he, Judge Poovey, presided over it and seemed to be as even-handed and poker-faced a jurist as you could want. But in the end, I think he said in his dissent a lot of things that the Republican defendants behind the law would say. One, that the 2018 measure that has now been struck down, at least temporarily before an appeal possibly reverses all that, was vastly different and better, was an improvement over the 2013 law. As you said, the the 2013 photo ID requirement was part of a much larger bill that tried to do lots of things that could benefit Republicans. The 2018 law focused solely on photo ID. It expanded the types of IDs that would be acceptable, allowed for university IDs, allowed for employee IDs. It also, in the estimation of both the backers of the law and Judge Poovey, the lone dissenting judge, made obtaining a free ID much easier. I'll note that Republicans have since wanted to try to implement a provision that would fund mobile units that could go to remote communities and and enable people to come get their free voter photo IDs. So he sees a vast difference between the 2018 measure and the 2013 measure. So you've got a dissenting judge and you've got, at least in the Court of Appeals in North Carolina, a fairly conservative makeup of the judiciary. So what we saw at the state court level could be vastly different at the appellate court level. So yes, and, and look, there is a political score to make here for Republican lawmakers. They tried their best. And I'll tell you, too, they recruited a key backer from the Democratic caucus. The 2018 law was passed with the support of former state senator Joel Ford, who is black, who testified at trial and said he believed in the benefits of the law. And I'll tell you that the dissenting judge, the backers of the law will also point to the fact that there are photo ID requirements across the country. I think like three dozen states have some form of photo ID requirement. So there is a lot that the defendants, the losing side in this case, can point to to try to get a different outcome at the appellate level. 
I want to offer a little bit of in-the-weeds context and encourage you to fact-check me if I'm wrong on this, but uh, circling back, if only momentarily, to the three-judge panel. Three-judge panels are impaneled by the chief justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court. So it's just worth noting that this three-judge panel was impaneled by then-Chief Justice Sherry Beasley, a Democrat. And if such a challenge were to come today, such a three-judge panel would be impaneled by Paul Newby, now the, the Chief Justice on the North Carolina Supreme Court, a Republican. And I offer that only as, as just, again, some in-the-weeds context. If there's anything to add, jump in. If not, I want to ask you this. What else if anything, in this 112-page ruling stood out or, or struck you? First, how closely the two-judge majority tracked the case presented by the plaintiffs. One, the history of racial discrimination, a legislative backlash at each chapter that includes an expansion of power among black voters. The expert testimony, Kevin Quinn, a professor of political methodology and applied statistics from the University of Michigan, who, after his analysis of voter registration data in North Carolina and DMV records, concluded that African-Americans were 39 percent more likely than white voters to lack the requisite photo ID under the new statute. And a really important part of this case is the testimony involving what the judges concluded was a departure from normal legislative process, basically a rush to ram this legislation through. Voters indeed approved a photo ID requirement through a constitutional amendment in the midterm elections, but the enabling legislation didn't come till after that amendment was approved. And this is where things go awry for the two-judge two majority. It was a lame duck session after the November elections that Republicans seemed to ram through this photo ID requirement. They didn't wait. They blocked a number of Democratic amendments that could have had a, an ameliorative effect on the legislation. It was a post-election lame duck session. In other words, it was after an election that ended a Republican supermajority, but it was a special session that took place before the simple majority took effect. So the Republicans still had the numbers to override a gubernatorial veto from the Democrat Roy Cooper in the governor's mansion, and they actually had to do that. So the judges put all of that together and found that the 2018 statute, as different as it was than the 2013 statute that had been invalidated, was rooted in the same discriminatory soil. But it's also important to note what the two-court majority said about Republican lawmakers behind this law and the discriminatory intent. This majority made it clear they did not think that the intent was rooted in racial animus or hatred. They said the Republicans intended to suppress the black vote only insofar as those voters were more likely to elect Democratic candidates, not Republicans. One element that might seem tangential to our conversation, yet I think it is in some ways central to this whole conversation, is the issue of malfeasance and fraud and integrity, 
right? So we certainly hear about fraud as a backdrop, as a rationale for requiring photo identification in order to vote. And uh, as something of a reminder, uh, and I I think we also should note there have been increased claims of fraud in recent election cycles. That's uh, news to no one who's paying attention to politics. Best we know, how common is voter fraud or election fraud in American in North Carolina elections? Virtually non-existent when it comes to occurrences that could have any impact on the outcome of elections. More often than not, the fraudulent behavior that occurs really on a negligible basis occurs by way of mistake or a lack of understanding. Felons who may be out of custody and think they're eligible to vote show up and do so. And those things are invariably cleaned up. I'll note, too, that in North Carolina, the 2020 elections might have been the most scrutinized, most heavily scrutinized and audited. You had a chief justice race for the North Carolina Supreme Court that was hand-counted and turned up virtually no discrepancies. I think that there were there were literally a handful of discrepancies, single digits, after many, many precincts were audited. And it came down to a difference of 450 votes. So, again, a lot of the fraudulent claims are not based on fact or hard evidence, but they are used to stir up a lot of passions around elections law. And briefly, I would only note that I have talked on the record to Republican and Democratic elected officials. The the head of the North Carolina GOP has said to me in interviews, all these people, they found uh, no cause for concern with North Carolina elections last year. Some of the Republicans said, well, there are issues in other parts of the country. And when I and you and others have pressed and we've said, well, where and what are the details? That's when it gets really foggy and really murky. There is no widespread election fraud or voter fraud in this country that we know about, that there is evidence of. So that's just where we are. It's not to say it doesn't exist. It's not to say there aren't aliens, but that that's where we are. Uh, what happens next? We, we have learned from uh, the, the lead counsel from North Carolina House Speaker Tim Moore that an appeal is imminent. Where does this go from here? Can you give us any sense of timeline? I wouldn't be surprised to see an emergency stay motion filed by the Republican legislative defendants who want to see the ruling by this state superior court panel blocked. And I think it's clear we're going to see them go to a more conservative appellate court in North Carolina and hope that those jurists will see a measured statute in the 2018 law that serves the will of the voters who approved a constitutional amendment and a voter photo ID requirement that attains the kind of election integrity and security the backers of this law say it is. We're six months away from a primary. Care to wager a guess as to whether or not uh, folks who go to the polls will need to show photo ID come next spring? I'm going to guess no. But I'm glad you brought up 
the idea of elections, because this is clearly a campaign issue. Whatever happens with the statute, Republicans will point to all they've done to secure the integrity of North Carolina elections. They're trying to get law passed that would do away with a grace period for accepting properly postmarked mail-in ballots. They're trying to get money from private foundations that had to be used for the first time in elections administration during the 2020 COVID pandemic, trying to get that blocked. And they're trying to do what they can say, they can honestly say, voters want. And that is a photo ID requirement. And they can say that Democrats are playing politics in trying to obstruct all those measures because they're interested in winning at the polls. Find more from Rusty on Twitter at RustyJacobsWUNC and at our website, WUNC.org. We are planning to take this Friday off from our usual week in review, so I'll plan to visit your podcast feeds again next week. Thanks for listening. WUNC. Bye.